Get your Bibles out and go to Matthew 17. I want you to pop up the screen. I want you to pop up the title of my sermon today because it's going to be a lot of fun. How many of you need God to answer what you, in a prayer that you would call impossible? All right, let me say it another way. How many of y'all are dealing with stuff that in the natural, it looks impossible? Well, I got good news for you. There is nothing impossible with God and all things are possible to him that believes. We're going to talk today about how to get the impossible. All right, let's go to Matthew 17. Some of y'all hadn't smiled yet. We'll work on that. <laughs> You're in the wrong place to frown. All right, Matthew, I'm, I'm on numbers. I don't know what I'm doing over in numbers. Matthew 17. Jesus is here talking to uh, a young man who's, who's got an impossible situation. Seven, Matthew 17, 14. And when they, came to the, when they came to the multitude, a man came to him and knelt down to him and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He is epileptic. He suffers severely. He often falls in the fire and the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Now, let's, let me make a statement here before we get going. Uh, by, by Matthew 17, the disciples had been out laying hands on people and getting people healed for a while. This was not, they, they were not new to the ministry of healing, and they were not new to any of this. So for them to have a failure was a big deal, and we'll talk about that in a minute. It says, and he brought to his disciples, and they couldn't cure him, and Jesus answered. Now, he's talking to his disciples now. He gets pretty strong with them. Faithless and perverse generation, how long am I going to be with you? How long am I going to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. And the disciples came to him privately and said, why couldn't we get it out? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. You notice he didn't say it was the will of God. And blame God. For surely I say to you that if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Where we're going right now is the nothing is impossible. We're going to talk about how to take something that the world said to you, not possible. You've gotten a bad report. It may be your income. It may be any situation you're dealing with. Or it may just be something that you think is impossible to you. We're always running into things that are, if not impossible, they're very, very, very difficult. Is there a way to make it? Is there a way to see God answer a prayer that the world says this isn't going to happen? Absolutely. There is a formula. Now, let me make a statement to you now because I, th I think you need to hear what I'm going to say. There is a mindset that God is in heaven answering prayers on a first-come, first-served basis or based on you. Some, some prayers, yes. Those prayers like, should I marry Joe or should I marry Sam? You know, there may be prayers that you've prayed and God's going to give you a definite, leave him alone and take that one over there. Or where should I move? Where should I live? Where should I work? Those are prayers that God is going to, to have a say-so in. Anything that is in redemption already belongs to you. 
And those are prayers of things that you should, you should have then. Okay. Now, it says, nothing will be impossible to you. So, um, there's, there's just this idea that God is withholding. Now, if we used salvation and someone says, well, I went to be born again, but God said no. We would, not, we would never take that because, well, he ain't going to say no to that. That's his will. So God operates on spiritual law just like physical law. Now, that's a thing. I, I just gave you a wrinkle in your thinking. So if you jump off a building, I, I promise gravity will work. And you might even be praying on the way down that it doesn't, but it will continue to work. Because it's a law. When you go get in an airplane, you don't have to pray that lift, the law of lift will work. The law lifts, the law of lift and the law of drag is a law. Faith is a law. It works when you work it. Not when God chooses for it to work. I know that almost sounds offensive. If you're raised in a church where everything is up to God, I just offended you because it's not true. God, you don't have to wake up every morning and go, oh, God, I pray gravity works today. And you look at your belly and go, it's working well. I see it's working really. <laughs> so there are things that if they're not working, go back and find out what you're doing that's keeping that law from working for you. All right, we'll get into that in just a minute. Go to Hebrews 11.1, 1, and even though you're, many of you are going to say, we know that, well, go there anyway. You might learn something new. If Kenneth Hagin preached all of his life on one scripture and still learned things new, I think we can learn something new. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the substance of things you hope for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Now, the Moffat translation reads this way. Faith means we are confident of what we hope for, convinced of what we do not see. I'm not going to preach on faith today. I'm going to preach on hope. We're going to talk about the other side of the coin. Because if you have great faith and you have no hope, your faith isn't going to work for you. Now, a lot of times when we come to faith and word churches, we hear a lot about faith and we hear, you know, don't be hoping, but yet use your faith. Well, we have people sitting in this room right now that they have faith, but yet it isn't working. Something's not working. So we've got to go back and look at what happened here. So the way, that, the way that I describe faith and hope is, is this way. If you have a hot air balloon, the Bible says faith is a substance. So a hot air balloon is substance. Now that balloon is worthless without hot air. 
You've got to build a fire under this thing and get some heat up in it. I was out west once. Lisa and I were in New Mexico. Absolutely beautiful to watch the hot air balloon races, and they're all different colors, and they're flying across the sky out there. But anyway, they get in them things, and they, they go to different altitudes because the wind is blowing at different altitudes. That's how they change direction. So, they, so they, they fill them up with hot air. But how many of you know what hot air is without a balloon? It's worthless. You know people like that, right? Bunch of hot air. But, I wanna, but I'm making this statement because right now I want to go back to the, to the hope part. Because very often people have lost hope. They got a doctor's report. Somebody said something to them, and in their mind, they're not thinking right. They're not thinking on a positive term. They're looking at the problem, and they go, I have faith. But for whatever reason, Pastor, it isn't working for me. Well, that might be because you've lost all hope. Now, doctors, bless them. Many of them there's many good ones. But they, they've decided not to give you hope. They don't want to get your hopes up. But when I come in, I am going to get your hopes up. If you don't have hope, you're not coming out of that situation. Because faith is the substance of what you're hoping for. And so what is hope? And I'm going to read a definition here. And I'm doing really good, aren't I? Hope is a confident expectation. It anticipates the best. It's an earnest expectation. It is a future state of being. In other words, Oral Roberts used to say this, something good is going to happen to you. Now, he got criticized for that, but yet did he want you want him to say, well, something bad is probably going to happen to you. Go with me to James chapter 2 um, real quick. I'm going to I'm trying to build a case here, so I'm going to read a few scriptures to you before we get going. Like you guys said in Facebook, I'll preach a half an hour and then I'll say, this is when we start. Amen. (laughs) James 2.17. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. (laughs) Amen. James 2.17. And we've read it this way. Let's read it in the Bible. So faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, that's a true statement. But the word works is is literally the word corresponding actions. But now let's take works because hope is what's motivating you, isn't it? Hope is what's creating the fire or the motivation behind you needing the faith to begin with. So let's just interchange a word here and see if we can make this sound a little better. It says the word of God by itself, if it does not have an earnest expectation, is dead. So the Bible by itself, if you have no confident expectation, something good's going to happen, that's dead faith. That's not going to go anywhere. You're walking around quoting scriptures, and yet nothing's happening. All right, so let's go to another one. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1, and now we're going to start making an enormous amount of sense out of all of this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and you go, I think I've read that scripture before. Yeah, you have. Go there anyway. 
Let's go back to some basics for a minute, but they'll be good for us. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Nothing shaking there, right? The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. What was he doing? Waiting on God to say something. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And he saw the light was good. And he divided the light from the darkness. Verse 6, and God said, let there be a firmament. And he called in verse 9, God said, let the waters be under the heavens gathered together. And then let's, and what I want to see now is go down to verse 20. And God said, let the waters abound with the abundance of living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth across the faith of the firmament of the heavens. And God created the great sea creatures and every living thing that moves, which was abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw it was good. Now, one of the problems that we're going to have right here is reading that very fast. Well, God came up one morning and got out of bed and went, oh, it's morning. It's time for me. Earth be, sun be, moon be, birds be. And he looked at the birds and went, oh, that's cute. No. I don't know how to say what I'm going to say because I don't know how God did it. But I know he didn't do it like me. But I'm going to have to kind of uh, um, change things a little bit and make God a little more human so you and I can get a hold of it and we'll, we'll get him out of being human in a minute. Now let's say, for instance, that in the eons of time ago, God sat back and said, I'm going to do this thing called earth and man and the whole nine yards. Have you ever, have you ever walked up and picked up a bird? Have you ever picked up a bird? You ever notice how light they are? Now, when I was a kid, and don't get mad at me, I shot one. Took my pocket knife and I opened him up. Kind of. We taught us in school to do that with frogs. I did it with the bird. And I found out some things. That bird is very light. He's very light. The wings are hollow. Through that, let's imagine for a minute that God is in his, wherever he is. And he goes downstairs in his basement. And he's got all these papers out. And he starts drawing up a cardinal. And he draws this red bird and he goes, I uh, can't make the female red. That's not good. We'll make her brown. And he's, he's thinking, it's got to fly. So it can't weigh more than this. And the wing has to be this long and the feathers have to be. So he had to create the wing and then he's got to put a heart in it and it can't be too heavy and it can't, it's got to work. And so I'm trying to say that he put some thought in this thing, didn't he? We're just talking about one bird, just one bird. When we lived in Paisley, we had things called chimney sweeps. Have y'all ever seen them? They are the coolest. At night, we had a log cabin, two-story log cabin. We live out in the country and we didn't have mosquitoes because we had chimney sweeps. And at night, they are F-16s. They, they come out and they go all over the yard, eat every bug around the house. And when the sun is going down, they flew to the chimney, shot straight up in the air, turned around and nosedived down the chimney and full bore. I mean, and then in the house, you could hear them go, and they would land. And you're thinking, I couldn't do that in an airplane to save my life. How did they do that? And it's the only bird we know that does it. So, so I'm trying to get you to think. God had to know we would have chimneys to make a chimney sweep. That's right. 
And when he made the bird, he had to take the wing different than the cardinal. Well, then let's talk about eagles. He said, I think I'm going to make an, a bird that will become the American symbol. Even though America's not made yet, that's still why he made the earth yet. And he says, I'm going to make him so big and majestic he can haul a rabbit off. I mean, I'm just see a mile up and just... In other words, what I'm trying to tell you is there's so much thought, the elephant, bugs, fish. Have you ever just thought that thing is pulling air out of water? That's incredible, guys. That's amazing. But it didn't happen. Thought was in it. When he said bird be, that bird was already in existence inside him. Do you all see that? Now here's where I'm going with this. You guys are saying things that are not in you. Are you taking the time? Now I'm going to use a word here. Sounds secular. Are you using your imagination correctly? You know what tell a vision is? Someone telling you the vision. <laughs> that way you don't have to think anymore. And because of a television, we've got kids acting out what they're seeing. Because someone's telling them a vision. But, but the Holy Spirit is the original television. So I'm going back to my word right here. I'm going back to this. Does God, now, now go to Ephesians, go to Ephesians. I'm, I, I, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Are you all okay? This is good. We're going to learn, you're going to learn in a minute how to get some, anything that they say is not possible. I know y'all are quiet. I'm not going to say Baptist church this time. I'm going to say Presbyterian. Go to Ephesians. Chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ask or think, according to the power that's working in you. Now here's the problem. It's not working in you automatically. Here's the way the literal Greek reads. I wrote it down. To the degree you allow him to work in you. He's not working in everybody the same. Now, he, Jesus said something that is only humans. Nothing you imagine is impossible to you. Folks, listen to me. That is an incredible statement for him to make about us. But many of us, we just get up in the morning, go to work, fuss and argue with the boss. And you, you know, you didn't do it right. You're stupid. Oh my God, I can't wait to get home. And then you go home, get something to eat and watch, sit down and watch TV. And that's about all. And you're not really ever using your imagination. No one's ever told you you could. And, and someone's doing all your thinking for you. But Jesus said, if, whatever, if you can believe it, nothing's impossible to you. 
Now, I'm going to prove it to you. How many of y'all are old enough to remember Dick Tracy? Yeah, I mean, there was a time you didn't talk to anybody in your watch. I mean, there, if, if you want to talk to someone, you went home, you pulled the phone off the wall, had a cord to it. And in my house, because I had, we had, I had sisters, they always took the phone in their room. That means the cord was about 100 yards long. They'd go, hey, it's Joe, you know, and off they go in the room and slam the door and, and, and you can hear them in there on the phone. And nobody ever did or text me, but somebody thought of it. All it was, was a thought in a human. And how many of y'all right now sitting in this room have watches that you get email on? One, two, three, four, five, six. Come on. And yet, yet, see, now listen, there is nothing on the earth that you're enjoying that didn't begin in someone's imagination. Now, I'm going to make a statement here. What you see is your lid. That's your lid. It doesn't have to be, but that's your lid. Kenneth Hagin went and prayed for a woman who was dying of either tuberculosis or cancer. And she was elderly. She was in her 70s. And normally you would look at her and say, well, you're kind of old anyway. And you're, you're, let's just let her die. And Brother Hagin went in there and says, you're, you know, you're, you, still got, you still got life left. She was a preacher. She was a traveling evangelist. And she'd come down with sickness and disease. And he, he got over to her house. And she's in there. She's frail. She hadn't eaten. And she's, she's well a week away from just being dead. He said, I'm going to pray for you. And he laid hands on her and prayed for her. And she called her family members and said, bring me my Bible and a pad. And she started writing sermons. Now, listen, listen to me carefully. She's still in the bed. There's no diagnosis she's any better. But her image is, I got to go preach. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? You know, now, see, this, this is what separates failure from victory. Faith is the substance of what you're hoping for. Yes. Now, I'm going to tell you about me because I don't know anybody, anybody else. I think, I think, and I don't know where Lisa is, and she'll verify this. I think they told me about 10 years ago. They called me in, found out I had congestive heart failure. My, my ejection fraction was something like 25 or 30 or something like that. And, so, and I found out later that the people in my condition last about a year. Well, that was about 10 years ago. But I wasn't dead. And I, I just didn't have time to be sick. I have things I want to do. And so one of the things that I did, and I don't want y'all to get mad at me. Don't study your disease. I, I, I know you all may differ with that. You may disagree with me. That's fine with me. I don't care. It's not helping you any to know more about what's killing you. Just get in the Word of God and start thinking about. So what I did after that is I started planning a trip to Alaska because I thought, you know what? I have never been 
and I want to rent an RV, and I want to go drive wherever I want to, fish where I want to, and I want to climb a mountain. Well, I'm kind of ignoring the fact that I'm not supposed to be alive there. But I just didn't really have a lot of time to die because I have so much to do. And I'm still rebellious in that sense right now. I'm just not. <laughs> I got things to do. I just have so much in me. But you see, I didn't see me dead. I didn't take that image. I took an image of me, I'm, I, I, I'm going to Alaska. And I opened up my Bible and found out with long life, he'll satisfy me. So my image matched the Bible and now I got it and I'm going to Alaska. And I just never gave it a lot of thought. And finally a doctor told me one day, says, well, you're lucky. He said, it's the pill. I said, the gospel. And gospel fixed it. But I'm trying to tell you that I'm not anything more special than anyone else. It's just that I have learned to harness my thinking. I, I, now, I'd love to tell you that I'm perfect at it. God knows I'm not. But I have learned over time that as a man thinks, where a man's, where, what is, how did Joyce Meyer say it? Where your mind goes, the man follows. You've never done anything that you didn't do it in you first. If you want your life to change, it's going to have to change inside you. What do you see? I mean, do you see yourself laying hands on people? Do you see yourself witnessing? Do you see yourself getting promotions? What is it you, what do you see? And to the degree you can see it. When I lived in Tulsa, they, gave, they, they asked me if I wanted to start my own business and um, I was afraid to. I saw myself going broke unless I worked for someone else. Y'all understand. All that hint, God was trying to get me out of debt. But I was hindering him because I couldn't see me working for someone without someone handing me a paycheck. It took me a while to get over that in my soul, but I could go back now and that, it, what I know now and go, oh my God, I could have been, I could have had all kind of money. But I didn't know that because it's the way I thought. Come on, y'all, I'm doing really good. It says, according to the power working in you. It may not be working in you at all, and this is a secular term, but it's working by your imagination. God gave us an imagination to see what is not so we can become. It is a gift only to humans. All right, I'm going to ask you a question. When did the Wright brothers first fly? Long before they got in the plane. Did you get that? Yeah. If, if the Wright brothers had not seen themselves flying, they never would have built the plane. Amen. When did Neil Armstrong walk on the moon? Long before he got there. Everybody say, I think we're getting this. Jesus looked at the guys and said, because of your doubt, 
they saw the devil in the boy more powerful than themselves. Jesus did not. And he corrected them and got on to them for it because they allowed what they were seeing to dominate them. In other words, they can't, you, if you can't see what you can't see, you'll never see it. You're going to get healed inside long before your body finds out about it. You're going to prosper inside before your checkbook knows it. You're going to become a doctor, a lawyer, a president, the, the head of the school, um, uh, wh- whatever it is, whatever ambition God has placed in you, whatever, it's going to start inside of you long before it ever manifests. That's when the world finds out about it, but you've known about it a long time. So I'm going to tell you a story about me. When I first got saved, and Che will tell you this is true, well, I lived with my brother-in-law. We lived in a little concrete block house, no carpet, no heat, no air conditioner. I mean, it was just, that's dirt poor, guys. That's dirt poor. And when I got saved, I'd lay in my bed at night, and the Holy Spirit would start talking to me and show me me preaching to multitudes. That, oh boy, that drove me. I got so pregnant with ministry, it didn't matter that I was poor. It didn't matter that I lived where I lived. It didn't matter that I didn't know anybody. It didn't matter I'd never been. I just got so pregnant with, with a vision from God to go all over the world. I've been to 20 nations. I've preached all over the earth. But it did not start there. It started in my bed right after I got saved, praying in the Holy Ghost, and God getting me pregnant on the inside with an image of me doing something way bigger than anybody in my family had ever done. And I'm still that way now. I hadn't changed a drop. Now, let me tell y'all something, and I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't think Kenneth Copeland's better than me. Oh, come over here and pray. I mean, I'm not downing him. I'm not downing Jesse. I'm not down. I've never seen me Less. I don't, I don't think like that. And, I, and I'm saying that not for my benefit. <laughs> Pastor Appreciation Week, let's put something in the box. <laughs> I'm saying that because anytime God's going to do anything through you, he must do it in you first. You've got to come up to that level inside long before you ever hit it on the outside. Boy, I'm preaching good, ain't I? All right. Abraham had to see the multitudes. God called him. He says, how do I know I'll be the father of a multitude? He said, Sarah, (laughs) she's kind of old and... I ain't doing much better than myself, and they invented Viagra yet, and I don't know what to do. I had to get y'all laughing. Y'all too serious. <laughs> I'm sure if they'd have had it, he'd have 
tried hack. What's the other lady he tried? He just, I'll do this myself, God. That didn't work. But God took him outside and said, count stars. What is he doing? First, he sees stars. One star, two star, three star, four star. After a while, he sees faces. And he starts seeing, I am the father of a multitude. Now, you understand, he's still impotent. But he is pregnant with the Holy Ghost. Do you all see that? God got him pregnant. Paul Young Cho, in his book, he was talking about when he first started pastoring that church. He said he always, he read Mark eleven twenty three, and he always thought, cool, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to believe God. So he prayed for a bicycle, a desk, and a chair. And all he had was one little room. He's a pastor of a church, and he has one little room. And he prayed and prayed and prayed, and nothing happened. And he went to the Lord, and he says, what? what? I'm praying. He says, I don't know. What kind of bike you want? He said, okay, I want to swim. He said, write it down. Now, understand something. God is a detail God. If you learn this, dream detail. Think detail. What it, where are you going? What do you want to do? So he says, I want a Schwinn. I want an American Schwinn. I don't want a Korean bike. I don't want a Japanese-made bike. I want an American-made bike. He says, well, what kind of desk do you want? He says, I want a mahogany. All of the things he prayed for, you couldn't even buy them. So then he got, he started telling the people in his church, I'm pregnant with a bike. And they made fun of him. He'd walk down the street and they'd, they'd pat their belly. Dr. Cho's pregnant with a bicycle. But he was trying to explain that before it manifests, it was in him. Say, just like God. What is in you? Listen to this scripture. Whatever you desire. Don't throw that word away. Now, here, here's what he didn't say. Whatever God desires. God don't care what you drive. He prefers Toyotas. <laughs> but then that's my own special revelation. I don't want to get in a truck and hope I make it home. I don't want it to be in the shop more than I drive it. Okay. But whenever I want a new truck, I go to the truck dealership and I get a picture. I'm, it's irrelevant that I have any money. I don't care whether I have any money. He didn't say I had to have any money. He just said I had to believe it. And so I bring it home and I start calling it my truck. Everybody comes and says, is that your truck? That's my truck. And I get you to get an agreement with me. That's my truck. Now I'm going to tell you another story here. Back when I went to Bible school, Kenneth Copeland put out a cassette tape explaining to people that preachers, it's okay for preachers to have airplanes because if anybody needs us, it's us. And so he, this whole sermon on, on flying, justifying the fact that he was a pilot and he went to work at Oral Roberts, being Oral Roberts pilot. But he didn't quit flying just because he started his own ministry. And he said, listen, you can get, if you've ever been to airline, you need a plane. They will mess you up. 
Anyway, I can get an airplane here and be in Louisiana at the same time. It takes me to go down there and just get through the gate. Anyway, never mind. I know that don't make sense. So my, I, I, by, by the way, for one of you visitors, I'm a multi-engine instrument rated pilot. Okay. Now, but it started in a Honda Civic. When I would get in it and close the door and roll the window down and say, clear prop. <laughs> and then I would pick up the radio and taxi out on Garnett and hit the broken air expressway and climb out and heading home. And every time I got in my car, I was flying somewhere. Now, listen to me. God did not give you an imagination to quit using it when you're 10. Why in the world did we quit just because we got mature? And kids are running around going, I'm, a, I'm an army man. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. And yet Jesus said, if you had faith as a child, I, I think something's wrong when you stop using your imagination. So let me tell you my favorite TV shows when I was growing up. Cowboy movies. Do you think I bought a horse? I did. What happened to me? I watched it and watched it until I decided to go buy one. And I, and I lived in a neighborhood, but I didn't know. And I went to Mr. Uh, Esco's property and cut down all of his pine trees. Yeah, he got mad about that. And I built a corral and I put my horse in there and I built a barn out of scrap lumber in the neighborhood. And I put him on a rope and took him down by the highway to feed him. But I didn't have any more sense because that's what I saw. I saw it. And I just lived, I just acted out what I saw. I saw me riding a horse, and I thought, well, okay, I mean, I'm a cowboy, and I have to have a horse. I didn't have a saddle. I didn't have a bridle. I put a hay string in his mouth and jumped on him bareback and rode around, and I decided that since I didn't have a saddle, maybe I should be an Indian. <laughs> now, I finally grew up, sold the horse, and moved out and got a car, but it, I went, after I got saved, I started realizing Wait a minute, why did I stop using my imagination? God don't want you to stop using your imagination. He gave it to you on purpose. Amen. The Bible was written for thinking people. It is deeper than you think it is. There, this book is full nothing is impossible. So I want to ask you a question. What does healed look like? What does long life look like? You will never, you will never catch me in Walmart in one of those carts. And I want to tell you older people something. Your body needs to move. Park that thing and walk. I'll come over here and pray. I know that's making you mad. The day you do is the first day that you're dead now. You're just, you hadn't fallen over yet. Well, it's hard. Okay. 
Boy, I'm doing preaching real good. Justin was in Japan, and he was going to help this woman. He said she's in her 70s, and she grabbed a suitcase and ran off with it. They know, nobody in Japan watches American TV. They don't know how old people are supposed to act. Hang around us a little bit. We'll teach you how to act old. Lisa calls me one of the boys, and I appreciate the compliment. I am a grown-up kid, and I am very immature, but I have to be to be married to her. <laughs> you, want, you want to stay young, marry a younger woman. She'll keep you running. Around. Go to Numbers 13. Turn to your neighbor and say, I, I think I'm getting this. Some of you, your life is about to change forever. I'm going to tell you something. We're, in this church right now, we have doctors and lawyers and politicians and school teachers. And, and we've got millionaire business people. What you see is your lid. What you see is your lid. Now, the thing about it is, is, is most of the time, you're not going to jump from first grade to fifth grade. Just go ahead and accept the fact that you're going to second and then third and fourth and fifth. You can, you can make that time shorter, but don't, but don't try to just start jumping that I'm going to be a millionaire and right now you can't even make your house payment. Don't just, just, you just get out of debt and you see yourself out of debt and you see yourself. And I did say something earlier in service and I'm going to say something. I know I, I, I'm going to do this for you. I hate, um, what are those places, I keep forgetting them, where you go get clothes and they're free? Goodwill. Goodwill. I, I hate Goodwill. I think it smells like poverty in there. I just won't go in them. Because I was, so, I was poor so long, and I got hand-me-down so long, that I'm going to tell you something that I did, and I would still do it today. If I barely had any money, I'd go to Dillard's. And I'd buy something nice. Don't you feel better when you're dressed up nice? All the women are going, preach it, baby, preach it. What makes you feel good? Diamonds. Now you done run me off. I got to preach over him. Man, Lisa, you've been talking to her. Lisa got so involved in diamonds, she started learning how they were made and all kind of stuff. I mean, she can look at a diamond and tell you whether it's an F cut and a whatever and a, and a whatever and where they're from. And, but I'm glad she learned how to buy them on a discount. She said, honey, I saved you $10,000 this week. <laughs> I ain't going to tell you how much you spent. But now go back to what I said. For your, and I'm not talking about you being greedy and covetous. I'm talking about get over this mindset that somehow you're less, you're poor, you're no good. You know, Lisa and I watch that show sometimes. What is that show, honey, where they, they take these average, just really ugly women? What not to wear. And I'm amazed because some of them come out and I go, they actually helped that girl. <laughs> I was thinking some of y'all need to be on that show. 
A merry heart does good like a medicine. I'm glad I got y'all healed right now. I'm teasing, I'm teasing. <laughs> I think Lisa's trying to get me on that show. But there is, there is a certain amount of truth to the fact that you do feel better about yourself when, when, when you, you've, you must start thinking well of you. If you want anybody else to like you, you, you got to like you. And, and if you, you can't change everybody around you, you sure change the way you think. And I decided one day I'm just going to not have this, this, um, this victim mentality anymore. I'm not a victim. You know, so I just begin to change my thinking, whether anyone else did or not. But it's amazing how other people change their thinking when you do. And I quit seeing myself broken, poor, quit seeing myself ignorant. A lot of times, let me tell you a story. If you don't use your brain, it will get lazy. That doesn't mean you're stupid. When I went into school to get my pilot's license, at the end of class, I couldn't pass the test. I didn't understand a thing they said. I walked out and went, this is crazy. I didn't understand a VOR or an NDB. I didn't understand meteorology. There were so many things. I had to go home and, and open the book and study it. And my brain cramped. It would on me. And I'd open the book and read it again. And it took me a little longer than everyone else, but I had to get my brain back working because I had let it go down so long. I didn't mean I'm stupid. I just decided to use it. But I made up my mind, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to do this thing. And I became a very, very good pilot. You can ask Kenny, the last mission trip we landed on, nobody knew we landed. I can put an airplane on the ground and you won't feel it. There's a way to work the power of an airplane when you're coming. A, a landing is a, is a controlled fall. You are 1.8 miles an hour over stall when you are right over that runway. And they raise the nose up and they stall it and let it flop down on the runway. It falls out of the sky. But since you're only 10 feet up, I don't have scaring y'all, Emma. Okay. If you'll add a tad of power back in it, It'll try to climb, and it'll settle down to where you don't even feel it touch. But only I can do that. <laughs> Plus, you have to have a small twin. You jets, you ain't got enough runway to play with that game, you know. So having said all that, go to Numbers chapter 13. Are you learning anything? Yes. Say, my best days are ahead. Verse 25, it says, they returned from spying out the land after 40 days, and they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, and they brought back word to them of all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we went to the land that you sent us, and it really does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. That is a true statement. They were. They were strong. The cities are fortified. That is true. They were fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. 
the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites and the Jebusites, the Amorites in the mountains. The Canaanites are down by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. And Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up said, we are not able to go against his people. They're stronger than we are. Now listen to me. Very often what you're hearing is a true statement. You go to the doctor, he's giving you a true statement. Nobody, he's not lying to you. When, when someone tells you you're behind on your rent, that's a true statement. I'm not telling you to run around telling lies. But what I'm going to show you is that though they were stronger than them, they were not stronger than God. And where is he? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So, so we're going to read this and I'm going to show you where, why God couldn't take them in. And I'm going to show you what's hindering him from blessing you. You ready? Caleb quieted the people and says, the men are, we're not able to go against these people. They're stronger than we are. And they gave the children a bad report. It was a true report, but it was still a bad report. The land which is spied out and said, the land to which we have gone uh, is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw were great men of great stature. They're bigger than we are. We saw giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in theirs. So where did this grasshopper mentality come from? It was inside them. We can't. Henry Ford says, people who say I can and people who say I can't are both correct. You're, you're the one that's creating the lid on your life. God can't take you where you won't go. And the reason you're not going is you've never gone there in your mind. Yeah. Now that almost sounds hokey. Because you say, well, I went down to that Word of Life church and he's preaching on Christian science. He's preaching on positive imagination. He's not preaching the Bible at all. Yeah, I am preaching the Bible. Because, because you're, you, you, God didn't take your imagination away just because you got saved. He wants you to use it rightly. It's not your imagination making it come to pass. It's the Word. Remember I said faith and hope. It's the faith that's going to bring it to pass. You're, the word of God is going to bring this to pass. But there has to be a motivation in you. So somewhere along the line, you've got to change inside. So I'm going to ask you a question. What does righteous look like? Because you are. One of the most difficult things you'll ever fight in your life is guilt and shame. That will hinder you more than anything else true. based on what people have said about you yeah. and what you think about yourself. Yes, that's true, Pastor. Well, I ain't no good. I'll never amount to anything. I didn't even do good in school. I mean, I wasn't the most popular. Like the pastor said, I'm one of those people that need to go down and, I mean, I'm just, I mean, I, I don't know why God just passed over me when he's handing out looks. I mean, I'm just ugly. <laughs> It's amazing what people do to discredit themselves and decide to just take, just, just be satisfied with wherever you are. Don't shut me down. There's no such thing as a lid. There is no such thing as a lid. If you work for someone, watch what they do so you can own their business. And after you own it, figure out how to get three of them. 
Come on, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go down this road all day long. But I mean, wherever you are right now, start. If the doctor gave you a bad report, I want you to start thinking. I mean, if God is for me, I mean, if God is for me, I mean, if he is on my side, I just think I'm just going to start thinking healthy. I think I'm healthy. I just start, I'm healthy and I'm intelligent. I'm wise. I'm not stupid. Now, now listen, you know how many people you do something wrong and you say to yourself, stupid. You're not being humble. You're being stupid. Don't do that. Wherever God's trying to take you right now, you're the one keeping him from doing it. He has way more for each of us than we have ever experienced. The place on the earth with the most potential is the graveyard because people live and die and never fulfill all that God. Are you made in the image of God? Did he say nothing is impossible to a man who believes it? I want you to say he's talking about me. Now this imagination thing is not overnight. And it's not always easy to do because we're talking about you seeing what you can't see. You know how many women have been barren and they adopted a child and the minute they adopted a child, they got pregnant. You know why? Because they see themselves as a mother. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Sarah was, was, she was past age. We're, ta- we're talking about the Bible here. We're talking about God. Yes. The world says impossible, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's possible. Anything is possible. When, when I get done in just a minute, I'm going to leave this with you, but I'm going to ask you to do something. The Bible says, think on good things. Predetermine what you're going to think about. How you think of yourself. Quit hanging around people who don't like you. I started something years ago and people didn't understand that I was doing it from my own soul. I would walk up to people and say, boy, it's glad that you met me. Because I read that I'm his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. I just read a scripture. And I was acting on that. Are y'all out there? And I know it. People, <laughs> who you think you are? Well, my question is, why don't you think much of you? So I've turned that around and I say, Tony, my God, it's good that I know you. You're an awesome man. When I say that to him, you're talking about a man. This, God, God made that man. God made Louis. Louis is about to get another raise. I'm, 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 are y'all getting this? This is a wow. I don't think we have seen anything yet. Let me tell you one more story. Who's the guy, Todd? Todd. 
Todd White. Todd White sat in church one Sunday and watched his pastor pray for someone and they got healed. Now he is a newborn baby Christian and he doesn't have enough sense to know he's not special. And he walked out and said, I, I want to do that. Now, he said with his own mouth, he prayed for people for a year. How many of them got healed? None of them. What's happening? That he's building an image in him. This baby's getting pregnant. He's getting pregnant with something from God. Finally, one day. Out of hundreds of failures, he got someone healed. All he did was rejoice over the one he got healed. He didn't, he didn't say, that's just one. I had 500 people. He didn't say that. He was so excited. He started, he prayed for someone else, and the next 10 people didn't get healed, and maybe the 15th one did. Oh, he's excited. He's rejoicing. I'm telling you, I watched him on YouTube the other day. He's walking up to people in the street and praying for them, and they're getting one after another or instantly, and they're all sinners. Well, he's developed his faith, but it started inside him. Amen. Say, God is doing something big in me. Y'all, I'll see it later. Is this good? Let me see if there's any other notes. Page two. Oh, nothing on page two. <laughs> The seed and the ground and the water, God takes a seed, puts it in the ground, puts water for it to germinate. He takes the word and puts it in your heart and with the Holy Spirit and your hope and begins to germinate. If he's got to have your hope mixed with the word in order for that word to germinate inside you. Faith is the substance of what you're hoping for. Don't allow the devil to rob you of your dreams. Every one of you sitting right here, you have your, your best days are ahead of you. Your healthiest days are ahead of you. Say this, there's nothing impossible with me. That's awesome. South Carolina did do good the other day, didn't it? They beat the dogs, but they didn't beat the gators. But we'll fix that. I love you guys. You have no idea how much I appreciate you coming to this church and letting me minister to you. It just thrills me to no end to watch you grow. Some of you people that have gone to Teresa's class lately, you're growing in God. When I watch you maturing and learning and growing in God, it just throws me to no end. So I think sometimes I just need to tell you I love you. I appreciate you no matter what you say about me on Facebook. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.